0: If you've struggled with the confidence of becoming a business owner, if you've struggled with overcoming failures and rejection, and if you're trying to understand how to become consistently high achieving as a new entrepreneur, then this is the conversation for you. I talked to executive and life coach Maggie Sim, and she gives us some tips and strategies. Have a listen. to Reinventing Perspectives. Today we have a very exciting guest. We have Maggie Sim and she's an executive and life coach at Holding Space Singapore Services. Maggie, we're so honored to have you on Please tell us, who is Maggie and what is Maggie about? Hello, Priscilla. Thank you very much for inviting me to your podcast. I'm Maggie, M-A-G-G-I-E-S-I-M. I'm
1: currently an executive and life coach. I, I started my coaching practice about two years ago. And before that, I was a consultant. Then I spent some time in banking. So my corporate expertise, I'm a sport investigator. could I tell people that, you know, like, you're a what? Investigator? I investigate crimes. That's really what I used to do. I think that kind of work was me to be interested in people, interested in people's behaviors, those motivations, and why people do things they do. Because uh, that really is at the core of investigating any kind of offense or violation of what the person's intention So I would say that even right early on in my career, being very interested in a human condition, how people think and how people behave, why did you away? It has been a very common theme in my life, and so much so that even when I'm working as a coach right now, it's really moving along the same theme, just like it's in a different context.
0: Maggie, tell us how did you go from you know investing crimes in clients and corporate to switching to being an entrepreneur and coaching in that way? Like what led to that journey?
1: You were hoping to hear a very exciting story. I, I'm I'm gonna just tell you. It's probably a story that you've heard a lot. I went on the route that most people go on. You go to school graduate, you find a job, uh, find a good job, you get married, you buy yourself home, and well, I skipped the part of having children, climb the cockpit ladder, you build an nest 8 yeah, you supposedly become a successful person, if you move along that route, right? So I did all that, and um, I would say that I was doing pretty well in my career, and I'm earning a very decent income, but there's only a good sense that I was languishing, feeling like there is something more to me than just this. And the big question that I had, which I think a lot of people feel the same way, is so what's that? So what's next, right? For me I had this burning question in my head going on and while for a good ten years. So it started talking when I was in my early 40s and it went all the way to our early 40s. And I didn't have a good answer to that question. What's next for me? And what is something that will make me feel like I'm thriving and flourishing. Even though I didn't get an answer to the question, I continued to swing it. And interestingly, I got my answers in a very unexpected way. So I was having a conversation with a friend and colleague and she then suggested, she said, hey, why don't you pick up some self-development courses, right? I'm doing... On neuro linguistics, take a look at that and I help them answer some burning questions they have always had. And I think that formed, led me to a self development journey and I started taking up neuro linguistic programming. And then someone else then said, hey, what if you get a coach you might get some support in answering those questions? And for me, at that point in time, I'm like, but I don't know anyone who uses a coach. Why don't I do a bit of a search on the internet? And then, interestingly, an acquaintance then gave me a link to a coaching school. She said, to me, just go not attend one or two problems and you'll bound to meet a lot of coaches there. And just so give it a try. And I think that's how I started on this coaching journey. I went to coaching school wanting to become a coach. And I really loved the entire training so much. And I loved the people that I met. I loved the entire philosophy of coaching. And that's when I decided that this is probably what's next for me and that's what I'm going to do.
0: I think that happens to a lot of people. You kind of stumble your way into the thing that lights you up and helps you to thrive and flourish. What have you found is the best part of the job for you of being a coach? I think the best part about
1: being a coach is like a use a I would say that I'm like a bridge, right? I'm just connecting people to where they are now with where they want to go. Connecting people with their dreams, their values, who they really want to be, who they are becoming. That's the best part of being a coach, which is being able to support people in the journey, which I've been on. And I'm just the guide that's just walking next to them or just looking slightly
0: ahead of them? Our audience is an early entrepreneur. So we might have some people who are also kind of getting into coaching there. So I figured I would just ask what you find that lights you up about being a coach. And in the same breath, because we do have people who are new maybe to coaching and consulting and that kind of thing. What do you think that has been the biggest challenge that surprised you about going into coaching or going into consulting?
1: The thing that was going on in my head was I want to be a coach. So I want to coach people. I got myself trained, etc. And then at the end of the training funnel, suddenly I realized one thing, which is, hey, I'm not a coach. I'm actually a business owner. I'm actually an entrepreneur, right? That's a message that I share with a lot of people who want to be an entrepreneur or who are just starting out that you may have an idea that there's something that you want to do, but actually at the end of that, you might say, I want to be a baker, so I want to sell cakes, right? But actually, the, the bigger thing is that the minute you decide what service or what product you're going to offer, you stop being that thing and you start becoming a business owner. So I think that was like the biggest aha moment
0: to me. A lot of people can relate to this, going from the thing they love to realizing, uh-oh, I'm now a business owner and I need to think differently about that. I'm so glad in your story you said you felt like you were languishing. Maybe you can kind of tell us what is languishing for people who are thinking, okay, what does she mean, languishing? And then how do you break out of it? I think
1: languishing is being a spectrum, right? On one end of the spectrum, we have this thing called flourishing. And then on the other end of the spectrum, where we really feel things are going badly altogether. all together, we just don't feel like getting out of there, we feel anxious all the time. I think languishing for me, is this phase where you just feel like it's moving a bit fast. It isn't really something to look forward to. It's something big, you feel the big with satisfaction that there is something more. This sense of like, yeah, I'm not actually moving forward. I'm not exactly moving backwards either, but I could do better.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people can definitely relate to that. And if you're in that space, how did you break yourself out of that kind of being in between and kind of feeling stuck?
1: I would say the first thing to do is to recognize that uh, you are actually languishing. I think that's a good start. And the second thing is to accept that you are languishing. A lot of people resist accepting that they are languishing. They are like, I don't feel great, but then because this like, no, I shouldn't be feeling this way. You know, I am I should be grateful, I've got a job, support a supportive family, I've got a nice home, you know, I've got a great job, I'm, I get along really well with my boy I really shouldn't be feeling this thing. There's a lot of resistance to look the thing that you're in. What I would say is recognize it, accept it, and then the third thing I would say is just ask yourself, what if you're not languishing? What would you be like when you are not languishing? What would it be like if you are thriving, if you are flourishing? And then visualize yourself in that state. What does it look like to you? What did you see? What did you hear yourself saying to yourself? And what did you be feeling when you
0: are like? It? Uh, it's interesting that you say that, Maggie, because I think you touched on something really important, that acceptance phase of the fact that you are languishing. Because I think in some situations, people don't even think they can flourish, that they can thrive, that there's even a possibility that languishing is the normal state of being.
1: We've been in that state for so long that the brain is so used to being in that state. And because we don't ask ourselves, what is it like when we are not languishing? What happens when I'm not languishing? What am I like? Would I be thriving? Would I be you know, my goals? Would I be looking forward to
0: getting out of bed? Yeah, oh, that's really great. Give yourself the option that you can flourish. And what does that look like? Now, because we have new entrepreneurs who are listening in, Maggie, a lot of the biggest problem among new entrepreneurs is really that confidence as entering into something new. Like you said, you were a person with a passion and now you're a business owner and that confidence to kind of own that you are now a business owner.
1: So building confidence is actually a concept. It's something that you do and you repeatedly do like writing a bicycle. It's really not something that you have. It's not a thing that you have. So in order to get confidence, we have got to keep doing the stuff that will give us confidence. So if I were to say, if I were to just summarize all that, I would say the one of the things to give to building confidence is to act. And act, A-C-T
0: stands for action changes things. Action changes things. And that's the way to build confidence. Oh, You're busting so many myths, especially for me. I don't know about the audience that's listening. You know, a lot of times we grow up and people say, just be confident. You know, people say that kind of stuff. Oh, you're not confident, just be it. And how do you just be it? So it's great that you're telling us that it's taking action that builds confidence as a process over time.
1: If the confidence is involved, it's not enough. So I that would be a good way of remembering confidence and building confidence.
0: Now, it because you coach people who are aiming to be high achievers. As entrepreneurs, we're trying to be high achievers. <laughs> so this is <laughs> yeah. it's perfect that we're honored to have you here to answer some questions for us. Now, what do you need to do to become a consistently high achieving individual?
1: Quite a few big words there. One is consistent. On the second is high achieving, and the third is doing right. The fourth thing I would say is what does being high achieving mean to you. That's I think mean, the first question I would often ask. High achieving could mean different things to different people. I would call a high achieving individual person who consistently achieves his or her personal goals. So I'm gonna be able to say that. The second thing would be, what are your goals? And I really do mean what are your goals and not what are the goals you think other people expect of you. And then the third thing would really be that, I think this is something that most people are familiar with, is like, what are your goals? What's your strategy to achieve the goals? How are you reviewing and measuring your results to ensure that you are progressing with your business? So I think these are things that a lot of us are familiar with. I think the biggest question here really is what is actually stopping people from doing that, from achieving their goals? Because once we know what's stopping people from so being a high achieving individual, that's exactly what we need to stop doing. What you need to do consistently to be high achieving is to manage yourself. And when I say manage yourself, I actually mean managing your time, managing your energy and managing your attention. And this is something that I'm still really working on at this point in time because what prevents us from achieving our goals consistently is that we don't focus very well. We don't focus on our priorities. We get distracted by stuff around us and that's what prevents people from
0: getting what they want. Managing yourself. Consistently,
1: it's how you get to be a high
0: achieving individual. Yeah. This is so great. Because in what you've said, you've answered all those people who think high achieving is a certain kind of person. And that's not true. And high achieving is, like you said, learning to manage yourself. We always, you know, I don't know if it's media or if it's what, we always think like high achiever is just someone who was just born with certain abilities and that makes them you know, a high achiever. But from what you say, we know that every entrepreneur listening, you can be a high achiever if you learn how to manage yourself. This is your time, your energy, and your attention. It leads me to my next question, which is what is the mindset work that you would say or you'd suggest your clients or the executives that you coach that somebody should do on a daily? Because managing yourself, I get it, but I need to get it. I don't know if... I probably need to get it some more. Like, what does that look like on a daily for me to be a person who manages themselves well? I
1: think one of the things to manage ourselves as well is noticing your results and celebrating your successes. This is actually tied to confidence and trying to managing your time, your energy, and resources. So, I think a lot of times we notice what we don't do well. If today you've decided that you're going to work on three things in three hours, and if you've done that, notice that you've done that, and then celebrate that you've actually managed your priorities really well that day. Instead of saying, oh, I should have done more in that three hours, I should have done it less than three hours. So just notice the results and celebrate it. I think that's one other thing. And I think the second thing would be to I'll keep using this word notice. Again, notice what could be improved instead of judging it. Ask the question, what is going on so well today? I'm just noticing and reflecting on what didn't go well today and then asking myself, oh, wait, what am I going to learn for it? As opposed to judging yourself and saying, oh, you know, this is so stupid. I, I should have done better. Why am I repeating this mistake again? I shouldn't have done that. So again, notice improvements and not judge. And I think the third thing, notice the story that you're telling yourself, challenge your beliefs on a day-to-day basis. So for example, if you start noticing that, when people say, oh, I can't do this, right? That's the story that we're telling ourselves, right? I can't manage my time properly. The word can't cannot suggest impossibility. We can't fly without two hands and our legs. That's definitely impossible. But there are a lot of other stuff that's not impossible, it's just that maybe we don't know how to, or we we don't want to. So even simple things like challenging the story that you have in your head does go a long way in building confidence and in managing your time energy and
0: attention. Sounds like it's a lot about taking steps to take control of your life. All those things that you're doing to be accountable to yourself, to build up that confidence by taking action. It's the internal work of kind of taking control of who you are and what you're capable of doing. So, yeah, I hope light bulbs go off the way they're going off for me. So, (laughs) thanks for sharing that, Maggie. Now, one of the biggest things that early entrepreneurs struggle with again, Maggie, is rejection and failure. If you're coming from corporate or another environment to now running your own business, it's inevitable. Failure is sort of like part of the learning. But it's a hard thing to accept, especially when you're a new an, an entrepreneur. Now, how do you coach even executives past failures to kind of get past that?
1: So one of the things I work with the clients around changing the story that they have about failure, saying that hey, know there's no failure. It's just feedback. So, you know, if you don't get the results that you want, it's just feedback to tell you that you have to do something for them. I would say that I um, would usually work on with my clients. I'm just going to have them connect with the rest of their body. A lot of times we are very connected with our head brain, like our, our brain, and we rely on that a lot to make decisions, to choose responses, to decide on a strategy. So a lot of times I actually ask clients to, to just connect with the other parts of their body, specifically their heart, their gut, and just use this three what we call neural network to take Thought of that particular situation that has not gone well. And then ask a few questions. I will just go for about three to five questions. What was challenging about that situation? That failure that, that you described it to be? What do you not want to repeat? What did you learn about yourself in this particular situation? And then then we move on to what are the gifts and blessings that this situation offers? When, when we ask them this question, they'll be like, this is a terrible situation for me. What do you mean by gifts and blessings? There is no gift, there is no blessing left. But if you want to just connect with your heart and your gut, with the rest of your body with them and ask that question a few times, you may have a different message from the body around the gifts and blessings. Right. And then I think mean, the final question really is what I do you to all of the in this particular situation, a lot of times we focus on the not so good and then forget about the good thing. So, I'll have fun start taking stock of that situation and process that process with learning before we then move on to what's next. It really less to do with doing stuff and more with connecting with you as a whole person because once you connect you with. The lessons you're learning, what this experience means to you? the doing becomes a natural thing, becomes next.
0: Oh, this is so great. I love that you said there's nothing like failing. There's only feedback. Because from my experience, I don't know if other people would share or relate with this. Something doesn't work out the way you thought it was going to work out. And instead of looking at, oh, no, it means my marketing message wasn't right. Or it means I was targeting the wrong target market. You take it to be like, oh, I'm a horrible person. Oh, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a dull person, you know. And rather than taking it as feedback, that your initial thinking just was not right. And so now that you know it's the wrong market, what are you going to do about it?
1: As opposed to like a black and white situation, you either pass or you fail, right? Yeah.
0: In line with this, there's a lot of talk about developing grit and a growth mindset, which I recently discovered. I didn't know anything about this, but I, maybe some people do. How do we build resilience, Maggie? How do we do that?
1: What is resilience? Emerging from adversity and challenges stronger or even better than before adversity hits you. Building resilience is very much like building confidence. It's not something you have. It's something that you do. Three quick tips to building resilience in good times, not when times are down, where the chips are down, So in good times, one way is to ask yourself better questions, that goes back to avoiding the big why. So a lot of times when things don't go so well, we tend to ask ourselves the big why. Why did this happen to me? Why did I do that? Why did someone do that to me? That's a path oriented question and it doesn't really serve any purpose that's gonna be useful for you. If you have a positive intention in asking that big why, which is I want to know what are the lessons that I can learn from that incident so I can do better. Then I think a better question would really be, um, what did I learn from this? What is within my control and what isn't? So asking a future oriented question as opposed to a past oriented question in good time. Second thing would be I would say have small positive goals. So when the chips are down, and um, you might find that it's difficult to even do simple things like getting lunch or getting go to leave or even just getting out of bed. But in good times, if you've developed routine, simple routine, setting small goals, this kind of habits and routine actually get you through bad times when bad times happen. Know what you can control and what you cannot. If it's something that I can't control, well, I can't control it. I just have to accept it and stop trying to change things that I can't change. So just three simple things that you could
0: do that's really small and inconsequential in good times, you do go with. The habits, you're building the muscle that you will use when things aren't so good. And you're not too optimistic that things catch you unaware. You know, sometimes we can be so, so overly optimistic, which is what makes us become entrepreneurs. But we also have to ground ourselves in... What can I control? What can I not control? If I'm gonna pitch something, for example, to an investor, I cannot control what the investor decides to do with his or her investment, but I can only control how I present myself. And so any outcome, good or bad, can happen. So it kinda of almost prepares you to not be like, oh, my life sucks. <laughs> what is the do
1: of us, us wanting to control the outcome? Because you want to get what you want right just being able to recognize that something's just not within our control and the outcome could just be one of them. And we can only control the process of getting to the outcome. That's a big learning for me. I think that's one of the things that I've, uh, I've had to uh, really work on when I started my own coaching practice. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for that. Our um, last two questions. Thank you for allowing us to go over time. What is the number one book or resource that you'd recommend to an early entrepreneur? I
1: would recommend a book called Story. Grant by Donna Miller. And a resource that I would recommend is a daily five to seven minute online mentoring by Darren Hardy. So if you were to go to DarrenHardy.com and sign up for his Darren Daily emails, you get a, a video every day in your email, just like five to seven minutes, and he will teach you very simple things around success, entrepreneurship, managing yourself. I used him a lot, we really benefited a lot from his from just listening to what you're talking
0: Yeah, Thank you for that, Maggie. Now, Maggie, where can people find you? Like, where are you most active online? And where can they learn more about what you do? You can
1: find me on my website,
0: which is www.holdingspace.sg.
1: You can find me on LinkedIn under my name, Maggie Sim. Um, they could follow me on Instagram if you if that's a platform that you like. My Instagram handle is Space.
0: Or ask you. Oh, Great. Thank you for sharing that, Maggie. Now, our last question is always what has faith meant to you on your journey?
1: Because the higher being is that there is something bigger out there that's watching you, and that the life is just unfolding at how it should
0: be. Oh, thank you so much for that, Maggie. Thank you for your time, and thank you for a wonderful conversation. I feel enlightened from talking to you, and I I'm sure the audience listeners will too. So thank you so much for your time, Maggie. And thank you so much. For more information, freebies, and clips from various episodes, please go to our website, www.reinventingperspectives.com. Thank you so much for your time. We absolutely value your time. And even more, we value your feedback. Don't forget to leave us a review. Thank you so much. And see you again next week.